Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach into the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome my good friend, H.B. Charles Jr. to the podcast. H.B. is the pastor teacher at Shiloh Metropolitan Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, where he has faithfully served since the fall of 2008. He's also an author, indeed, of several books, including On Preaching, On Pastoring, The Difference Jesus Makes, and It Happens After Prayer. H.B., welcome back to the studio and with me together on Preaching and Preachers. Thank you for having me. It's always a joy to be with you. Yeah, it's a delight to have you on campus. You preached in chapel earlier today and have been around and been able to enjoy a meal with you in conversations. And uh, it's always good to have you in Kansas City and, and here. And you wind up being with us about once a year, sometimes twice a year. Yep. This this year would have been twice, but uh, a hurricane preempted your, <laughs> your preaching for our Florida Church Conference. Yep. But uh, we just trust the Lord's providence and all of that. Indeed. Indeed. Give us a word of update on yourself and uh, your family and, and your ministry there in Florida. Sure. At this stage, the five of us in my family live in three different cities. My son works in Dallas. My daughter is in school in Alabama. So it's um, me, Crystal, and our 14-year-old who turned 15 this weekend. But she's so full of life, it's like we still have three kids in the house. And that's Haley Bug. <laughs> that's Haley Bug. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> and uh, your your daughter in Alabama, which institution is she at? She's at University of Alabama. Okay, okay. There you have it. Now, I'm from Alabama, as you know. Mm-hmm. My loyalties lie more uh, at Auburn than Alabama. Oh, boy. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, we're still happy to be in the studio together. Indeed. <laughs> well, listen, uh, as well, give us a word of update on uh, just on your, your broader ministry these days. I mean, you're always preaching somewhere. You're sure. often writing. Give us a sense as to uh, what's on your mind these days on those fronts. Yeah. So I am in my 15th year of pastoral ministry at Shiloh Church. We, um, like a lot of African-American churches, returned slowly on the other side of COVID. Right. But— um, so that was a little concerning, but it's, it's picked up. So uh, we're getting back to normal. I'm grateful and thankful for that. So in that regard, those are good days for us there. And I um, have the opportunity throughout the week to uh, jump birds and preach here and there along the way and doing a, some of that and um, slowly writing on some things that I hope to find a publisher for once I get those drafts done. I understand. <laughs> Do the manuscript, then get a contract. <laughs> Create your own deadline. Yes, indeed. Lose your own deadline, not yep. vice versa. Yep. Absolutely. Well, good for you, brother. We're grateful for your broader ministry to the church and, uh, again, sharing your time with us here at Midwestern Seminary. Mm-hmm. We're recording this uh, in the Spurgeon Library, and uh, it's fun to have a preacher such as yourself here in uh, the library of the Prince of Preachers himself. So thank indeed. you for being with us. And I am planning, I've cleared my schedule to be here for the upcoming Spurgeon Conference. Oh, that that's right. My like office a, mentioned that. Oh, it's, I, I can't wait. Well, we might have to work you into uh, the program somewhere, brother. <laughs> no, I'm just here to I'm just here to take it all in. I've uh, I was blessed by Spurgeon the pastor, and I just finished last week uh, Spurgeon and the poor. So good, I'm good. I'm yeah, stocked up. Yeah. yeah. So I'm you're stocked, ready. I'm stocked up and ready for the conference. All right. Well, well that's great. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, listen. We're talking today about the cost of pastoral ministry, and uh, you know we 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 understand that first of all, pastoral ministry is a call. Mm-hmm. By God, set apart for those qualified in First Timothy three cents verses one through seven to serve yeah. as pastor, to serve as elder. Titus one six through nine. So God is very clear that not just anyone can serve, 
Not just any man can serve, but those men who are biblically qualified. And that qualification is not a self-authentication. It's not that we look at the scriptures and determine we are qualified. But ultimately, God's people, the local church, elders, congregants, look at yourself, your life, your calling, and your qualifications, Mm -hmm. and your gifting, and make that assessment. Mm -hmm. And that call to ministry is a glorious calling. We now are some three years, I guess, removed from really when COVID washed up on us and landed and disrupted so many of our lives in such dramatic ways and and made ministry uh, for many of us very, very challenging at every level from, from COVID fights and mask mandates to the scattering of God's people and to the gatherings being limited and all that went with it. And so for many, they have felt in recent years that pastoral ministry was particularly challenging. Sure. I, I have sought here as an institution and, and we even through publications, our, our, our institutional magazine and conferences to talk a lot about through that, the joy of ministry. And ministry is a joy. Serving God's people is a delight. Serving the Lord Jesus Christ is a glorious calling. But we want to be people of balance. And today we're going to talk with you a little bit about the costs of pastoral ministry. Sure. And we can talk about this in a way not being defeated, not being despondent, not being pessimistic about the future or being critical of God's people. No, but but to at the same time, in a sober way, to say the call to pastoral ministry is glorious, is exhilarating, is sweet, but there are some costs along the way. So I'm eager to have that conversation with you today. When we talk about the costs of pastoral ministry, define that for us. What, what are we thinking of in that regard? Sure. So let me just take a moment to say amen to everything you just said. There is a joy in ministry, a privilege that the Lord would use us. I, I want to affirm the matters of conviction, calling, character. All of those are important. However, if it was just that, Jason, I don't think we would have 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy and Titus. That's right. <laughs> he, he was writing to these men because there are inevitable challenges right. that come along with the pastoral work of ministry. And You know, there are doctrinal issues you'll have to deal with, moral issues you'll have to deal with, and there are issues of unity you'll have to deal with. And I don't know, as you were just describing with uh, COVID, there's just a whole nother category of sacrificial service. I don't know another way to describe it where, except to say that as shepherds, you will inevitably find that sheep bite. And I know, I, I keep getting stories of men who have found something else to do recently, who considering quitting the ministry, who have resigned from churches because, not because of moral failure or doctrinal compromise, all of those things are terrible, but there is a sacrifice, a cost that goes along with serving God's people. In a real sense, the local pastor is on the front lines of spiritual warfare. Mm, that's right. If uh, the enemy can scatter the sheep easy, more easily, if he can take down the shepherd. And that's right. I don't know if uh, congregations understand that. And this is why you have in uh, Hebrews 13 that admonition to, to treat your pastor in such a way that he can do his work with joy. Because inherent are challenges, costs, and sacrifices along the way. So, H.B., you are now, what, late 40s? That month I turned 50 years old. Whoa, my I goodness. I am an there old, old man. Now. Considerably older than <laughs> I am, H.B., considerably older. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, I, I'm, I'm um, happily ensconced in my mid-40s here. And yep. uh, in any way, enjoying life uh, 
precipice of middle age, but but you are now, you've turned 50. From ages birth through 17, you knew one church and one pastor, your father. Mm-hmm. And then many of our listeners know the story. Your father died unexpectedly. Was it was a heart attack? Is that right? No, he had cancer. Had cancer, But he right. did not, he, he, he was one of those men that didn't go to the... So didn't know until it was too. It really was too late. late. Okay, yeah, it was too late. And so, were, how were you? Were you sixteen or seventeen? When I he was passed? sixteen when you were sixteen when he passed, mm-hmm. and uh, you find yourself in, I guess, in the Los Angeles area, mm-hmm. California, the same church your father led. Yep. He's deceased, and at the age of sixteen, your father passes, and pretty quickly thereafter, you find yourself preaching, and then becoming pastor of that church. So, give us briefly the narrative there, like how old you were, and, and make sure I had that term events right. Yeah. So my father passed away in Father's Day weekend in 1989. The uh, church extended a call to me to serve as pastor there in November of 1990. I've been in that one church then, you know, for the first uh, 35 years of my life, the last 15 years I've been in Jacksonville. I never, as a boy, I, I, I fully expected to be a pastor one day. I never expected to pastor my dad's church. Yeah. It was a loving, sweet congregation. My, I didn't see, but I saw the ways my dad was heartbroken uh, by things um, that happened along the way. A lot of it is you invest in people. Mm-hmm. You serve people. And along the way, those sacrifices, you know, I, I say it this way, that Galatians 6 say you, you reap what you sow, but you, you don't reap always where you sow. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you pour into people, and that is not reciprocated. God raises it up to reward you, but it's not usually in the place. And I just watched my father go through some, some of those hurtful things behind the scenes, and I just never thought I'd pastor that church, but God had other plans. So you go from being a baby in the nursery— Yep. To a toddler in the preschool. Yep. To a kid in the children's ministries. Yep. To a teen in the student ministry. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the way, you're getting opportunities to preach and teach and perceiving the call of God to preach and teach. And then, boom, 17 years old, you're a pastor. Mm-hmm. How do you process? How did you process then? And how do you process now? And how have you processed in between then and now? Just the challenges of local church ministry. I would imagine at the age of 17, it had to be so traumatic. Conflict had to be so heavy. And then, now that you're a few decades removed, it's still unpleasant, but but doubtlessly you've gotten your sea legs along the way. There was a blessing in my naivete. I don't know if I would have known all the cost up front of some of the things I would have gone through. I don't know how I would have responded to that. I just, first of all, I just couldn't believe they were going to pay me to, to get the chance to preach every mm. week. Let's start there. That's <laughs> just like, wait, what? You know, I will pay you to let me preach right. every week. And in those early years, they did not allow me to do much else. The men, and maybe that's also why they call a 17-year-old so they can run the church. Mm -hmm. But during that period, and that happened for some years, my convictions began to take shape. And I also learned that uh, there's a hundred things that go along with pastoral ministry, but primarily we must devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And even though they weren't letting me do some of the other pastoral stuff, the Lord was giving me influence in the body life of the church through the teaching ministry of God's word, just by leading in prayer and the ministry of the word. I'm going to tell you, though, the first time you go into a deacon's meeting and hear someone say, you know, junior, that's what they called me as their pastor, junior. Junior, I know what the Bible says, but... Mm-hmm. 
I've been on the receiving end of that comment too. You you could have you could have blew me over. I was just shocked to hear quote unquote Christians, church people, and um, you know also dad or not, I follow a forty year pastorate. Right. And there are men who are saying no one, and no matter who it was, is going to be able to pastor this church that way again. They take so long because they're structuring things to make sure that the next pastor has certain boundaries. And so really, as a young pastor, I also was on the working end of, of a setting where issues of power and office and money and control were more important than gospel issues. You yeah. think you're going into ministry to be dealing with disciple making and you're dealing with a, with a lot of other things. So tell us perhaps some of the lessons you've learned along the way about the cost of ministry. I would say, um, as I just mentioned, I think the first thing I would mention is that the pastor should devote himself to prayer and the ministry of the Word. These are the tools we do our work with. These are the weapons that we fight with. These are the signposts by which we lead our congregation forward. Everything else that we do needs to flow from our devotion to prayer and the ministry of the Word. I would also say you need to know what hills to die on. I would say that you need to learn to make case slowly, if I could say it that way. God's Word works. It works in its own timing. And leadership is influence. Influence requires trust. Trust takes time. Mm. And you know, <laughs> I, I don't care. You know, I was, a, I was the naive young pastor that thinks because they put my name on the front of the bulletin and on the sign of the church and on the side of the church bus that I'm, I was the pastor. Yeah, I, I'm the guy. <laughs> I'm the man. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that. The first meeting, I had this great plan, vision, and all of this, and a sister got up and said, I don't think we should do that. That's basically all she said. And she had more juice in that church than I had. She had the leading women's Sunday school class. And that sister said, I don't think we should do that. And they voted me down. Wow. <laughs> Just by that simple word. And it, those were leadership is influence. Influence takes time. And you got to be willing to take that, that time. And there's going to be sacrifices along, along the way. You know, those who listen to our podcast tend to be pastors, local church ministers, mm -hmm. seminary students. What would you say to our listeners, especially those who are on the front end of ministry? Yep. On the one hand, not to discourage, to say again, ministry is glorious, it's exhilarating, it's joy-filled, but you need to have your eyes wide open. How would you encourage especially younger listeners to balance those two realities? I, I have, a, you know, I think it starts with a very high view of the exhaustive sovereignty of God, number one. Number two, we would all affirm this. But you have to believe this deep in your bones with, with firm conviction that the Lord is building his church and that he is at work in the life of the redeemed community of believers so that we'd grow into the image and the stature of Jesus Christ. I would say that you got to love the people. And you do know love makes the cost not seem like a cost. Mm. You know, it's, you can pay the same cost, make the same sacrifice— and when it is something you are compelled to do that you don't want to do, you feel every bit of what that cost is. But when it is motivated by love, it's as if you can 
make that big sacrifice and don't feel the expenditure that it is. I look back on those days. That sister that I just mentioned that caused me so much trouble in those early years passed away a few months ago. And my heart was so broken, but not with terrible memories. That lady taught me to pray. Mm. God was using her to make a man out of me, to make a preacher out of me, to make a pastor out of me. The fruit of the Spirit does not grow in a laboratory. The fruit of the Spirit is cultivated in, in the midst of messy relationships. We learn to love by God putting you in relationship with people who are hard to love. You learn patience with God forcing you to deal with people that get on your last nerve. I mean, I think the relationships are a part of God's sanctifying process in our life, not just us ministering to the church, but in a real way, they're ministering to us. And I would say to young men, we can, you can leave a seminary or start a ministry and be so eager for truth and skip over the dynamic of loving those to whom you are called to speak the truth. Even when I got to Jacksonville at 35, you know, I've been pastoring almost 18 years and I feel like I, I know my way around the block, but they push back on everything. And one of the days early on, the chairman said to me, he says, these are not bad ideas. These are great ideas. We're just slow to give you the reins because we don't know if you're going to stay. Mm -hmm. And really, they were wondering if I was using the church as a stepping stone. And when they were, when they saw I was committed to them and committed to the work, many of the people that stood against me rallied behind and, and helped, helped the cause. So you not only have to love the truth, but love the people to whom God has called you. And it, it really takes the sense of sacrifice out of the costs of ministry that are inevitably be required to pay. H.P., we'll leave it there. Yeah. Appreciate your fond reflections on the pastorate, on the joys of pastoral ministry, and indeed the costs of pastoral ministry. But even those reflections are sweet reflections. It's been good to have you in the studio today. Thank you. As always, a joy to be with you. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.